I'm Kyle Bennett. And I'm Alex Rotwalski. And this is the Views from the Press Box podcast presented by the Cumberland Times News. This is episode number eight, I believe. Um, I think from here on out, Alex and I are going to try to do every Monday morning, release a new episode. Just kind of makes sense that way. There's so much going on with basketball that going two weeks in between is kind of rough. There's just so much that can happen. So, um don't hold us to this, but again, we're going to try every Monday. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. And uh, as you've seen in the uh, title of the show, that we have uh, Delane Fitzgerald on the show today. He joined us via Zoom on uh, Friday just to kind of talk about his time at Frostburg State and um, you know what lies ahead at, at Southern Utah for him. So, uh, but first, just some uh, just some area basketball stuff to tend to here first. Um, Earlier this week, the top seed in the boys' poll has been decided, at least for now, um, with a, a thriller at Southern, a double overtime thriller. Southern and Mountain Ridge were tied at the end of each quarter, right? Yep. And then obviously at the end of the first overtime and almost at the end of the second overtime. And uh, Alex, you were up in Oakland at Ram Arena. What, uh, what, was, that, what was that like? I think it was the first Southern game this year where the, I would say the atmosphere was back to what it was two years ago <clears throat> where you know there's holiday tournaments people were on break you know whatever but you know that it was a packed house and um had the pep band going and then on the court i mean it was a a pretty high level game both teams were i don't want to say both teams were missing their you know two of their better players but um amari kennedy was out for mountain ridge and isaac uphol had an uncharacteristic game that you know was said after the game that um you know he had been dealing with some physical stuff and he hadn't really practiced that much um in the week leading up so i don't know if that played a part but nonetheless you know uh expect the next matchup that you know kennedy will be back and upper will be full strength so i i think there's really like no excuses for for that although i mean for mountain ridge it was a really good showing to be that competitive with you know missing probably their second best player. Well, and also down the stretch, uh, Nathaniel Washington fouled out, right? Yeah, he it was insane. He picked up his fourth foul at the 7.33 mark of the third quarter. So wow. 30 seconds into the third quarter. And he probably sat maybe 30 seconds to a minute the rest of the, of the game until he fouled out in, like, the waning seconds, which was like a – I mean, you could kind of see it from a mile away well, that it was going to happen where – you know, it was in the final 10 seconds, and he was driving to try to shoot the winning shot because Monterich had the ball with the game tied, and he fouled out. But um, got called for a charge. But, yeah, the, so that was insane that he even survived that long without fouling out before then. But, um, yeah, it was a high-level game. Tanner Haskell had 20 points for Southern, just really stepped up. Definitely his best game of the season. And then his little brother, Jared, is just getting better and better. He... Every single time Southern needs, like, a big three late in the game, it seems like he somehow the ball finds him and he, he knocks it down, which, I mean, for a freshman is huge. Um, is Jared, Jared's a freshman, right? Yeah, he's a freshman. And what's, uh, what's Tanner? What grade is he in? I believe Tanner is a senior. Okay, gotcha. So, um, you know, I mean, their next matchup, uh, it's a little over a month away at this point. February 18th, it might be the – season finale or, well, regular season finale for both teams. Um, you know, so there's 
there's a lot of games to be played between now and then, and maybe there are some games to be played after that. I don't, I don't know what the cutoff date is as far as uh, when you have to get games in before the playoffs start. But um, for them to be counted, yeah. But uh, you know, I mean that that matchup very well, you know, could decide who who gets the top seed and in, uh, in in the region and and whatnot. Um, but you know, uh, Southern they have a tough matchup against Allegheny this week. They're playing at home against uh, the Campers. Um, Allegheny played Hedgesville last week and uh, looking for a little bit of revenge there. They weren't able to get it. Uh, just a quick note on Hedgesville: they're they're the number one team in all of West Virginia and their four classes, um, according to West Virginia Metro News Power Index. So, you know, it's not really a, a, a slump that Allegheny lost to. I mean, as far as comparing them to Southern, who knows? But, um, you know, a very good team that, that they lost to in Hedgesville. Especially um, compared to the first game when they lost by 31. Down right. There, so. And th- this was a game, you know, that they were in until the very end and that, that you were at. Alex kind of walk us through that game. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I want to say it was – the Alco was up 41-37 to 37 with, like, a handful of minutes left in the game. And, I mean, really what it came down to is Alco couldn't really handle the ball when Hedgesville up their pressure and extended it, um, gave away a lot of cheap possessions. Or if they did get it over the half, um, half court, they took quick shots or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, they didn't really uh, nurse their lead very well, so... Um, definitely a sign of inexperience, and I think they hadn't played for, I want to say it was like two and a half weeks at yeah. that point. <clears throat> I think uh, uh, Ted said that if um, they hadn't picked up that Hedgesville game and they played Southern on that Friday, then that, that Southern game would have been three weeks exactly since their last game. Yeah, so, I think it was like December 16th or something was their last yeah, game. something like that. So, I mean, it was it was impressive, I think, that they were able to hang tough and – um, against a team that, like you said, I mean, they're a, a storied program. I think they won the state title in, like, 2012 and 3A, which then was, like, West Virginia's biggest class. So mm-hmm. that's impressive. Um, and also they did that without uh, Chaz Imes, who's their, you know, I would I would say their best perimeter threat. Um, on the boys' side of things, before we move over to the girls, um, you know, this week in the poll, so we had – Southern, Leapfrog, Mountain Ridge. Um, Allegheny still at third. Mountain Ridge now at second, obviously. Um, and then Kaiser and Hampshire in fourth, right? Or Kaiser in fourth, Hampshire in fifth. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you and I just kind of talked about it earlier, just kind of how it's like, it's kind of interesting that, like, the three best teams right now in the area are all from Maryland, teams that haven't played in almost two years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, these Which- West Virginia teams – Obviously got to play last year. They got a full season for the most part and, and got a uh, state tournament in and, and whatnot and playoff system. And, I mean, they have they have summer basketball, so it's not like nobody played last year. But right. It's definitely right. different when you're in front of, you know, a packed crowd. Yeah. You know, the, the nerves and, and that kind of thing. Um, and playoff experience is, you know, something you can't replicate anywhere but playing in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, just over time, kids just – Kids get bigger, they get stronger, and, and, you know, stuff like that, and they just kind of, you know, grow physically as they uh, progress throughout high school. Um, one thing I wanted to make note of on the uh, private school side of things, BW went to uh, LaPorte, Indiana this week. Um, the uh, NIBC, usually they have two uh, split 
showcases, I guess, if you want to call them that, um, when they have NIBC weekends where four of the teams in the NIBC play in one location and the other four play in a different location. Um, when the Bob Kirk Invitational Tournament was here, I think Montverde, Oak Hill, uh, IMG and Sunrise were in Bradenton at IMG, I want to say. Um, you know, but this week all eight teams were in Indiana. Um, BW went 0-3 against uh, IMG, Montverde, and Oak Hill, which, I mean, those are no slouches. I mean, that's uh, in the Max Preps National Top 20. IMG's number two, Oak, uh, or Montverde is number three, and Oak Hill is number seven. So. And Montverde is, are the defending national champs as well. Yeah, so. yeah with like three five-star recruits and – you know, IMG's got like three or four, and you it's, know. It's funny looking at Oak Hill. I think their when I looked at their max preps, their record before the tournament was like eleven and six or something like that, or thirteen and six maybe. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a winnable game for BW. And then you look at their roster, and it's like, you know, they got a kid going to Duke, a kid going to Kentucky, a kid going to LSU. It's just it's insane. Yeah, and you know, I mean, from the onset, I mean, this BW team was always gonna, you know, there were always gonna be growing pains with this team, and. You know, the real barometer that I'm I'm very interested in is when the ACIT rolls around, knock on wood, that we have the ACIT this year. But when it rolls around, because I would say that those three teams are all better than any team they'll likely face in the ACIT. Uh, I would say so, for sure. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's kind of close with Oak Hill and, like, Gonzaga or DeMatha maybe, but I would say that those three are, are better than uh, – than the teams in the ACIT. St. Francis isn't, isn't bad either. That's true, yeah. St. Francis is having a good but year as well. I think it's just one of those, it's like you look at the rosters of those teams that are in the NIBC, those three specifically that BW just played, and they have, I mean, it, it's like a all-star game of high school recruits. Like, mm-hmm. we're talking f- like four or five, five stars on Montverde. Like, it's insanity. Yeah. And, you know, BW is a team who hasn't, they haven't played together at all in, you know, over a year. They just have they're, – they're such a young group and a, a new group that they just don't have any experience uh Yeah, they're just getting thrown together. into the fire. Yeah. So it's like – it's not like they have some – they had some tune-up games that you would, you know, call tune-up games, but they – I don't know. It's not like they have a full season or something to prep before right. playing against the, literally the best teams in the country. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Alex, anything – from the boys' side of things before we move over to the girls? Uh, not that I can think of. Okay. So uh, this Tuesday, last week, we had the matchup to decide the top overall seed. And who knows, if Alco beats Southern this week, you know it would be interesting to see where the voting goes from there. You know, you'll have a two-loss. On the, on the boys' side, you mean? Yeah, yeah, on the boys' side, yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, that number one spot is – is decided for now, though. You know, if Alco wins, who knows? Maybe two laws Alco leapfrogs all of them and, and goes to the top. And I don't know what, like, voting methodology other people use, but I kind of just look at it like the AP poll. Like, what have you – like, you're looking at every week kind of, like, in a capsule almost. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's obviously, like, tiers, but within those tiers, it's like, you know, who uh, – I have my personal rankings that might not be the same as the actual rankings, but – you know, within my own rankings, like the who lost, who won, and, and moving a, up that kind of way. And I guess some people might be looking at it as, as a um, from a perspective of, like, the committee almost, like the college football committee or the NCAA committee looking at resumes and that kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, week to week, I expect the poll to definitely change. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty the, – the boys 
side it's, of things. It's is, for fun, too. The, well, yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, there's, you know, this we're just two of, what, six voters in it? Yeah. You know, but, um, yeah, it was just a fun thing that we just kind of brought back in the fall, and, and it's it's been it's been fun just to talk with each other about and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, so and, yeah. It, and it's good, too. Like, you know, there's <laughs> jokes going around, you know, talk to coaches and whatnot about, you know, giving us a hard time about, uh, where you are in the polls and whatnot, and that's that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's that is why we're doing it. Yeah, we want discussion. We want people arguing on Facebook. Like, it's it's all good. <laughs> that is literally the reason we did it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so just as we had, you know, the previous uh, weeks, boys number one seat on the line. This week we uh, we have the girls number one seat on the line with another Tuesday matchup where uh, Petersburg hosts Frankfurt on Tuesday. Um, in girls basketball, Frankfurt's still undefeated at, uh, what are they, 7-0? They're 7-0. They were off last week. And, um, you know, playing against Petersburg, who uh, dropped its first game over the weekend. Um, it looks like maybe they maybe they had some girls out, or, you know, maybe it was just maybe it was just an off game. Just looking at the, the stat sheet and whatnot, it just kind of looked like maybe it was uh, just kind of an off game for them. But. Yeah, I think they had two scorers who had maybe 80% of their production, which is very un-Petersburg-like. Mm-hmm. Usually their leading scorer has like 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I I don't know I don't know if there was an injury or, or what or someone missing, but um, it's not like Philip Barber, the team they lost to, was any slouch either. I think they were seventh in AAA on the girls' mm-hmm. side um, in the AP poll. Yeah, yeah, and Petersburg was fourth with Frankfurt at two in the AP poll. In AA. Uh, in AA, yeah. So... Um, but yeah, so they are they're hosting Frankfurt, which is um, it's it's going to be a little bit different because in the past Petersburg has you know uh, going into last year I think they had like a I want to say like a fourteen or a fifteen game losing streak against Frankfurt, so you know they were very much the underdogs. Now it's I don't want to say it's the reverse because everyone knows what Frankfurt has, uh, you know they have two of the better players in the uh, entire area on their team, but um, they definitely. I think they probably have some. They probably feel like they have something to prove, going out there, um, having dropped two straight to Petersburg, and uh, most recently in the sectional final last year. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and you know the method in which Frankfurt has been winning without uh, without Marie Purdue, um, you know, it's just it, it's impressive. You know, it. Uh, we've talked about it in the past. You know, you go to Frankfurt and it's just like this kind of larger than life atmosphere. It's like going to Southern. You know where. Yeah. You know, the, the first time you go to a Southern boys basketball or girls basketball game, especially a playoff game, it's like, what am, what are we doing? Like, what, what is it? <laughs> it's just such a it, – it's a weird experience because you just don't – you don't expect it going to a high school basketball game. But, um, you know, Frankfurt with a, a first-year coach and, and being without, you know, one of, if not the best player in the area, you know, and just winning in the fashion in which they've done has been very impressive. So Yeah, I mean, the defending player of the year yeah. as a junior. Yeah. So. So and Haley Smith has really stepped up. I think she's averaging like I want to say she's averaging like twenty five a game. So they really have a, a two headed monster there. And then you have Larry Grove who's averaging like fifteen a game as well. There's another question too of if um, Marie Purdue will be available for mm-hmm. the Petersburg game. I know there was a timetable that they were hoping she would be back after Christmas, and well, <laughs> we're a couple weeks after <laughs> Christmas. So at this point, it is. It, there is a question of if she will be available. Yeah. And if she is, how are they going to ease her back into the lineup? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it, it's it, it's kind of a rough week for Petersburg because, you know, they, they play Frankfurt and then uh, they play Kaiser on, what, Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. Yeah. So, on you know, road. I mean, it doesn't 
two of their toughest games this year, other than you know Philip Barber. Yeah. Just played. Yeah. Really tough stretch for them. Because I want to say they they played cupcakes, but they definitely did not have a difficult stretch of the year. Right. Schedule wise. Mm-hmm. And they had a tournament I think up at Hedge. I want to say Hedgesville maybe. There was a tournament they were in that got canceled. Um, a holiday tournament that a couple like AAA teams mm-hmm. that they didn't get a chance to play against, but um, definitely are in the uh, most difficult stretch of their year so far. So, if you haven't read today's paper, the girls' poll goes uh, Frankfurt at one, Petersburg at two, Fort Hill at three, and then who's at four? Uh, four is a tie. It that's is, right. It is yeah. Kaiser has moved into a tie with Alco. Yeah, that's right. Alco lost to Berlin Brothers Valley, I think I want to say by 24 maybe. Yeah, I think and that sounds right. Kaiser won last week. And um, Kaiser's a team that they had a couple tight losses at the beginning of the year. They very well could be 7-2 and two right now or, or better than that. And they returned their whole lineup from last year. So I expected them to, to move into the, the, the top four, maybe even take the third spot by the end of the year. So anything else on the girls' side of things? Nope. Okay. So uh, without further ado, we'll throw it into the interview with uh, former Frostburg State head football coach Delane Fitzgerald. Our next guest became head football coach at Frostburg State University in 2014, taking over a team who had eight straight losing seasons with 18 wins over that span. Within two years, he turned the program into conference championships, uh, into conference champions, winning two more after that. Uh, as Frostburg State teams made two appearances in the Division III playoffs and won the ECAC Bushnell Bowl in 2016. He's the winningest coach in Frostburg State history. In December, he also became the head coach of Division I Southern Utah Thunderbirds. Welcome to the, head, the show, head coach Delane Fitzgerald. Coach, how are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm good. You? Yes, sir. Good. Thanks for coming on. Every, um, everybody got shoveled out over there. Got yeah. shoveled out place today. Yeah. Yeah, the snow uh, – Ended up not being as bad as what they called for, so that uh, that was good. So, um, so coach, I want to go back to uh, the days before you uh, started coaching and just talk a little bit about your days at Potomac State. You played at Potomac State for two years, is that right? Yeah, I, I was um um a hey, um divorced family, so I lived with my father in high school. Didn't do what I was supposed to do academically. Landed at Potomac State. Um, for hey, frankly, one of the only schools that would let me in and allow me to play football. So went to Potomac State, 95 through 97, had a great experience. Um, gave, gave me a second chance with my education, second chance in life. And uh, that was under um, Angelo LaVar, right? He was the head coach at the time? It was. He was my head coach. So, uh, and he's someone who was on your staff at Frostburg State as well. And after, um, after your season finale this year, uh, I believe the, the – sentence you used to describe him was he's the best O-line coach in the country. Um, you know, so obviously you have, you have a ton of respect for him and everything. What was that like uh, playing under him and also having him on your staff and, and, you know, being a coach with you? Yeah, it, it was great playing for him. And he, he was like a second father to me, a father away from home. Um, always really, really good to me. Uh, Lynn, Miss Lynn, his wife, um, as good a person as Angelo is, she's a better person. And then I kind of grew up with their kids, Angie and Gabe. Um, but, yeah, he came at Potomac State. And then, um, uh, of course, I went off and played at James Madison after that. One of my draws to Frostburg State was the fact that I was going to get to be around him and get to coach with him again. 
So Angelo was our, he was our tight ends coach first two years there. And then he became the offensive line coach the last six. Um, guys, he's, he's not only is he the best O-line coach that I've ever seen, he's the best position coach that I've ever seen at any level. Um, I, I think he is, a, a, he's the best I've ever seen coach college football. Um, and he is the best offensive line coach in any level. So, um, when you were named head coach at Frostburg State, um, you described the program as a sleeping giant. Um, and after your season finale, you uh, you also you told me a story about I can't remember if it was your first or second year though, but you said that there was a game early on in your career at Frostburg State where you guys could count the number of people that were in the stands. Um, what was that kind of like? I mean, you had a couple of years. I think you were at Southern Virginia for five years, and you know this was early on in your Frostburg State days. But what was that? kind of like seeing that um early on yeah we, we, we woke the giant up didn't we <laughs> <laughs> woke him up got him going if you guys like stories i got plenty of them but here, here's here's one yeah um our first season there second or third home game of the season you know when the annuity of everything had wore off and we were 500 we were about a 500 football team and we were playing someone and looked over i, I just kind of i never paid attention in my career to who's in the stands because what's between the lines is a lot more important than what's what's outside of them. But I, I just turned and looked, and I went, there's nobody here. I mean, there's nobody here. So I had a um, I had one of the backup offensive linemen count. There were 174 people in the stadium, not counting the two teams. <laughs> hey, that's not, a, not, a, not even a good college classroom. Hey, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever told this story publicly, but, but people people may enjoy this one, okay? When I, when I got there, we, we come out, we won the first two games, you know, off momentum alone, and then we lost a real close third game. And we went up to play Brockport in the middle of the season, and we were a 500 football team. Brockport was a 500 football team and completely laid an egg. I mean, completely laid an egg. Um, had guys standing on the field. They were just dead. They didn't want to be there. Um, they were worried more about looking pretty in their uniform than they were about playing football. Um we were down 28 to nothing at halftime, and it could have been 128 to nothing. That's how bad we were playing. So I did the old old coaching trick and went in the locker room, turned the water cooler over at halftime, gave them a piece of my mind about how lackadaisical we were. And then I went on a rant that the guys at Frostburg weren't going to wear that uniform and weren't going to represent that university or that town or Allegheny County or the state of Maryland and just be bums. And I went to all the cut. I, I told all the starters, I said, you're benched. I said, you're done for the day, um, which got their attention. But I went to all the coaches and said, if anybody in the first or second string plays in the second half, you're fired. So, and, and we played, we, we played the bottom of the barrel, worst players on the team in the second half. And the final score of that game, if I remember right, was 42 to nothing, might've been 47 to nothing, but it was in the forties. But long story short, those third and fourth string kids played better than the first and second string kids. But I couldn't get over being mad. I stood down on the end of the sidelines by myself a whole second half. I couldn't believe that we had spent the state of Maryland's money and the university's money and went up there, and that was the performance we were going to give. So I'm still hot. They got another piece of my mind after the game. And then I go sit on the bus by myself, and I can't get over it. 30 minutes later, and Jimmy Johns or whatever shows up with the subs, and we've got the drinks and all that. And I go grab the subs and the drinks, and I'm going across the parking lot with them. I'm going to give them to Brockport. I'm going to give all of our food to the opposing team. 
and the director of football operations catches me in the parking lot. And he said, Delane, you're going to get us fired. He said, you're going to get us all fired. We have to feed them. And I took a couple more steps and I thought, you know what? He's right. He's right. So I turned around, we fed the kids, but they got a mouthful for me the whole time they were eating. We got on a bus. I told the bus drivers to go straight home. One of the bus drivers tells me, and he was a Frostburg guy, but he says, um, they've just removed my bladder, my, my, my bladder, my kidney, and my bladder. So we have to stop for me to use the bathroom. I said, okay, we'll stop one time. It was a nine hour trip. I said, we'll stop one time. You get off and use the bathroom. You get right back on and we're going home. And, and, and he said, okay, we stopped in state college on the way home. He got off the bus, him and the bus driver behind us, um, chain smoked two cigarettes really, really quick and then got back on the bus. Neither one of them ever went to use the bathroom. We, um, <laughs> we, we, come, we come to the road and got into Frostburg and I still couldn't let it go. I fired both bus drivers when we got into the parking lot, told them we'd never use them again, which I didn't have the authority to do. And then we proceeded the following week to practice in full pads all week, which college coaches in the, in the, hey, in the 2000s do not do. Um, the moral of that story, and hey, ne never told that story publicly. And, and I'm leaving out a couple of the choice words that I used in, in all of my rants, but um, I, I probably called them about eight different types of losers. And the following week, we beat the number 19 team in the country. We beat Ithaca, beat Ithaca College Bombers on homecoming in Frostburg. That was the turning point in that football program. That, that week was the turning point in that football program. And, and I just, as, as I'm sitting here in Cedar City, Utah, I hope the administration here knows what they got in store for them. You know, I, I, I uh, the other day, um, our photographer showed me a video from, um, I think it was, it was early in the year. Um, I think it might've been the third game of the season. I can't remember. It was a Thursday game. It was early on in the year, this, uh, this past season. And uh, you had asked our photographer if he could, your daughters wanted to crowd surf. So you asked him if he could, if he could film that. And uh, so he went in the locker room, but he also, he, he recorded your, uh, your post-game pep talk. And, you know, it, uh, you know, watching that, it, it was hard for me to not feel like, you know, wanting to be in high school and, and play for a coach like you. And, you know, I, I felt like running through a wall, like Kool-Aid man or something after listening to that, you know, and it was just a, you just really, you didn't really talk about football. You just kind of talked about life after the game. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that I feel like that's a really good embodiment of uh, the type of coach that you have been at Frostburg and, and, you know, kind of what Southern Utah is getting as well is that, you know, you talk to them about, you know, they have a three-day weekend and you said, you know, make sure you look after your teammates this weekend. You know, you get an extra, an extra day or two in there and, um, you know, a little extra break, take, uh, take note of your teammates and, you know, you emphasized on making sure kids got to class and they were doing their homework over the weekend and, you know, all that stuff. And, um, you know, it just, it, it, it was kind of an eye opener from the outside, just seeing that, you know, th it, this all was a lot more than just about football. You know, there's, there's, yeah. there's grades and there's personal life stuff that everyone's dealing with and stuff like that, that, um, you know, what, what is that kind of like balancing all that and knowing that you're, you're not just shaping, these kids into into football players and you know if they want to play at the next level you know some of these kids are talented enough that they can do that but you know the the stats say that you know the overwhelming majority of these people you know they're not going to go pro in football they're going to go pro in something else yeah so it's about one in 500 
about one player out of every 500 college players gets a gets to collect a professional check. Um, guys, when you're when you're starting a program and you're taking over a program that's been bad, it's way different than it is once you get it rolling. So, so that that story I told you about, you know, the way I acted at, at Brockport in 2014 is way different than the way I handled the guys, you know, 2017 through 2021, but because we got it rolling and it, it was on the tracks and, and going somewhere. Um, what, what you talked about, and, and if you guys have copied that video, I'd love to see it. I've never seen it. We are so, working but, on uh, trying to get that to you because it's like a seven minute long video. So our photographer wasn't able to, he wasn't able to send it directly to me, like the full length. I think he's got to chop it up or something. And then, but I'll make no, sure I you get it. Tell him I said hello and thank you. But but here here is my philosophy on 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 education and football and where it is in their life. Um, and 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 they're going to do football four to six hours a day. Okay, and that's if you count study hall. But they're going to be with me weightlifting. They're going to be with me in meetings. They're going to be with me on a practice field. They're going to be with us in study hall. The entire coaching staff, they're going to be with us. I would like the other 18 or 19 hours each day to be a real-world experience. I'd like for them to have hey, have a roommate that's not, a, not an athlete and, and do, say, do things with people that are not athletes and get out there and see some things. Um, it is, it is, how do I say this and, and say it right? Um, it, I'm not naive enough to think that the end all tell all is what happens on Thursday nights or Saturdays in the game. Um, what we're doing in football and what we're doing up there on the, at that college campus and this college campus is, is we're building strong men that, that can go on and be really, really good in their lives as, as husbands and as employers and employees and, and in their education and raising their kids and just, just finishing everything they start. Um, so looking back on, uh, on your time at Frostburg, um, you know, what kind of impact do you hope that you have, have made there? I mean, I kind of, I've kind of said, you know, whoever Frostburg decides, you know, that they're going to hire next, uh, is, you know, I know Angelo right now is the, uh, interim coach there, but you know, the, the program is in a, a really good spot, you know, I mean, they, they got moved up to division two and, you know, I, I, I said, you know, that the, the, the car is in, in really good shape right now. Um, you know, what kind of impact do you hope to have made at, at Frostburg? Yeah, that, that they're going to name a coach in the next few days um, at, at, at the latest, probably sometime middle of next week. Um, my, 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 hey, they're handing somebody the keys to the Cadillac. So, but, but yeah, the, the, it's, it's a good situation. It's a good job. Um, proud of the job that our coaching staff and the entire university, because it took the entire university, but proud of the job that everybody did over the eight seasons there. Um, you, you asked me, what, what, what do I hope my legacy is? Um, I, I couldn't give two shits uh, about the, the, all the wins and the championships and all that. My, my legacy is those young men. Um, I hope they understood and understand how much I love them. Um, and how much I care about them. Um, I hope my legacy is, is who they are. And I'm talking about all eight years worth of graduates and players. My legacy is who they are at age 30, age 40, age 50, age 60. Um, I hope that I taught them to finish. I, I, hope, that, I hope that I taught, taught them to finish their education and finish the job they're doing and finish their marriage and finish raising their kids and finish their job as employers and employees. That, that's what I hope my legacy is. Um, 
I, I had a dream a couple of nights ago that, that we were all together, that we were all together 20, 30 years from now, laughing and hamming it up about all the stories and stuff, all the memories that we made. Coach, you, uh, you know, told that story of maybe the, you know, the tough times at Frostburg. Do you have a, you know, maybe a favorite memory from, you know, the good times at Frostburg? You, you, you know, you know, and, and y'all, y'all talked about, y'all brought up the legacy part of it. Um, that some of my, some of my fonder moments, so some of my favorite moments have been the young men uh, w when they come back. You, you know, they they come back, they bring their wives back. Others invite me to their weddings. Um, that are the refrigerator at home, and then when I clean my office out at Frostburg and I boxed everything up, but there, there were 20, 20, 20, 20 21 wedding invita invitations in there. Um, my, my fondest moments are the kids after they leave. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, was were, were the championships fun? Yeah, they were fun. Hey, hey, a ton of fun. Hey, anytime you beat the brakes off of Salisbury for three straight years, you got to sit back and smile about that one. So, yeah, you know, 2019, the conference wants us to be rivals with Fairmont. We go to Fairmont with half the talent and beat Fairmont in double overtime. And then this year we go play Fairmont, and, it's, and you know, it's child abuse. So we're, we were so much better than Fairmont this past fall. Um, we could have took our backups up there and won. Um, but, you know, that, that stuff's fun. That, that stuff's a lot of fun. Um, all the times, and, and here's – as you look back on it, you just think it should have happened. All the times we were underdogs and, and, and pulled off upsets. So that, that 2015 team that had a winning season, um, that there were probably seven or eight games in that season where we had less talent and, and were able to just outplay people. That that was my point in that block in that Brockport game. The, the reason that I that I had come unglued and come unraveled and couldn't get it back, what was the fact that it, all we have to do is play hard, all we have to do is play hard and believe in each other, and then it becomes really really good. Um, but if you're hey, if you're asking me for one memory, you know, hey, those Salisbury games are special now. So that those Salisbury games are special, and I'm a James Madison graduate, and you know we don't like Richmond and we don't like William and Mary, but. That those rivalries were never as intense as that Frostburg Salisbury rivalry was. Um, do you kind of do you kind of revel in in being the underdog? You know, you're taking over a, a Southern Utah team who has had success uh, in the past, and these past couple years haven't been so good. I think I want to say that your quote uh, from the introductory press conference was, "You guys are not going to be one and ten again," because this past year they were one and ten, and. Which, hey, you notice I left 0 and 11 out of that equation. <laughs> Just, I believe they call that hedging your bets. Guys, I, 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 I like the shit out of y'all. Um, I'll overdisclose. Um, I was born when my parents were in ninth grade. I, I've been the underdog my entire life. Um, wasn't, but I, I wasn't supposed to be. wasn't supposed to be an FCS player. I'm not supposed to be an FCS head coach. So yeah, do I revel in it? Yeah, I kind of dig it. Um, it, it gets me motivated. Um, my, my, my wife probably knows this best about me. You know, she probably knows it better than anybody. And I know my parents do. I wake up in the morning down seven. When, when I roll out of bed, you know, Sunday through Sunday, when I, when I roll out of bed in the morning, I think I'm down seven points and I just kind of scratch and claw and dig, you know, all the way through the day trying to catch up. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a program builder. And then, you know, maybe that's my, maybe that's going to be my career and that'll be fine. But, but I'm a program builder, probably more than people know, because all the assistant jobs that I ever took, they weren't very good. And then when I left, they were pretty good. Um, Frostburg is the job that when we got good, I stayed around. 
I, I, I stuck around. I, I could have stayed at Frostburg the rest of my life and been, you know, just as happy as anybody else. Um, but, but yeah, Frostburg, Frostburg is the place that taught me how to sustain it once you got to the top. What was it? About? Go ahead, Dax. Uh, I was to say, uh, Coach, with all you built at Frostburg, uh, how difficult was it to, you know, take that next step? It's the most difficult thing I ever did in my life. So, point blank, end of discussion. It is, it is the hardest thing I have ever done. Um, I'll get emotional about it now. Um, leaving those kids, um, leaving the people in that town, the people at that university, the people in that county, um, very, very special to me. I, I felt that it was something where, um, you know, when, when it happened, it was, it was surprising to me because it was like a, wow, you know, he's been here a long time, you know, he's really built this great thing in Frostburg. And, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, that's really not surprising. Like it, it you know, this is a, it's a, you know, a promotion of sorts for, you, you know, this is a division one program that we're talking about here in Southern Utah. And, you know, it's a, it's a big opportunity. So in that regard, I don't know that, I don't think it really should have been a surprise to anyone that, that you were at least offered the job. You know, I mean, that's, that's a, a real testament to, you know, what you've been able to do at Frostburg and, and the type of coach that, uh, you know, that you've become. And, um, you know, when, when did you see coaching at this level as uh, being a real possibility for the first time? Yeah. I, I don't know if that's still set in. Um, you, you, you talk, you brought up, you brought up promotion. You brought up promotion. Yeah, hey, hey, got a secretary here. Got 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 eleven full, got eleven full time coaches here instead of three. Um, we, we have a football equipment manager here that just does football equipment, and he has an assistant. Yeah, it's 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 a huge promotion on on the FCS thing. And and I did hey, the people here are very very persuasive. So I, I didn't accept the first offer and I didn't accept the second offer either. So it was, it was the third offer that got me um, that the opportunity to change my children's lives. Um, yeah. That it, it was, it was a little more than I could say no to um, excited to be here and happy to be here, but yeah, it was persuasive on the, um, you, you know, on, on coaching at this level, has it set in yet? I, I, I don't know that it has yet. I don't know that it's going to set in anytime soon. I'm just going to continue to wake up in the morning, you know, feeling like we're losing and, and continue to, you know, chip away at all the rough edges. Let, let's shave all the rough edges off here and get a little better each day. I am, um, I, I am completely committed to daily improvement, completely committed to us getting 1% better each day and finishing everything we start. And coach, um, you know, I guess for those who aren't, necessarily like familiar with you know the FCS level of football you know how good it is um my dad is a Towson graduate so I actually have season tickets there with him of course we're little brothers to JMU but you know <laughs> nonetheless um you know that... hey, hey as Towson should be <laughs> <laughs> hey we had a couple years there we were we were on the rise but you know yeah, but came back to earth should have called it Terrence West University and not Towson football Man, he was he was something. Oh, those were the days. But anyway, um, you know, how would you how would you compare, um, you know, or I guess assess, you know, the FCS level of football? Yeah, here, here's what happens. And back back in my day when I played at James Madison, it was called One Double A. That they changed the name to FCS. I don't know why. 
they think it sounds better. But anyway, it's the same thing. Here's what happens in FCS football. When an FCS school goes and plays a money game against an FBS school, against a, you know, a big-time Division One school, um, the starters, the starters at the FCS school are as good as the starters at the FBS school. When it gets when when it gets dicey and when the FCS schools can't compete is when you get into the second and third string players. Um, th- there's a lot of people sitting at home and they don't understand how many players play in a college football game. There's a minimum of 50 players that play throughout the game. Um, you, you know, you've got 16 to 20 guys on offense playing and 16 to 20 guys on defense playing, and then you've got another eight to 10 guys on special teams. That, that are running around and playing. Um, hey, watching Alabama, you guys watch Alabama on Monday night. Alabama's playing 28 guys just on offense, excuse me, just on defense. They're rotating 28 players on defense. Um, so what I'm saying is this, when James Madison goes and plays a West Virginia, like they did a couple years ago, okay? When an FCS team goes and plays an FBS team, James Madison's top 22 players, all their starters are as good as West Virginia starters. Where they lose that is 23 through 50 is where they can't compete at. And if you notice in a lot of those games, the FCS schools will play competitively for a while, and then it gets away from them at the end. Um, but J- James Madison beat Virginia Tech 10 years ago. North Dakota State's won like, I don't know, eight or nine out of their last 10 FBS games. You know, everybody knows Appalachian State 15 years ago beat Michigan at Michigan, and it happens all the time. I'm leaving out a lot of upsets. But it happens all the time. Well, when, when those things happen, you know, the, the, the 22, the 22 for the FCS are probably better than the 22 for the FBS. And they're just able to sustain it long enough to get a victory. So, Coach, um, you have a, a relationship with, um, <clears throat> with Ed Lamb, who is an assistant at BYU, um, used to coach at, at Southern Utah. Um, did that relationship with him, did you have a conversation with him before taking the job or after taking the job, just kind of? you know, talking about, about the program and whatnot. Yeah. Ed, Ed, Ed and I have spoke multiple times recently and yeah, we, we talked, but before I took the job and I, I needed, I needed to pick Ed's brain and, and just kind of um find out what his formula was for success here. Cause let, let's be frank. He had it rolling. He had it rolling. They were in the playoffs three out of four years, three out of four winning seasons at the end. Um, and they were going to roll and be really, really good. So I just kind of wanted to see his thoughts and kind of what was going on. Um, now, they've improved things here since Coach Lamb left. So so the situation is better here. Hey, the situation's always better for the next guy, right? Yeah. Hey, whoever gets named head coach of Frostburg's in a better situation than I was in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the situation's always better for the next guy, um, and happy about that. I have a, um, and I and I took I took three or four uh, of Coach Lamb's ideas, but I have a blueprint. We have a blueprint for how we're going to do things here and how we're going to fix it. So, um, recruiting wise, um, I, I read that you your relationship with Ed started because you were in a recruiting trip in Utah. So, do you have um, you know some kind of I guess a little bit of a foothold there sort of um, in recruiting that's going to kind of help you or. Yeah. So, so in, in pe- people understand this, um, that the majority of Utah is LDS. The majority of Utah is Mormon. Um, I was the head coach at a LDS school in Virginia, Southern Virginia university. So I would come out here and recruit, recruit Las Vegas and, and Salt Lake city and Boise, Idaho. I'd come out here and recruit for a month or two each year. Um, and it's how we got our, it's how we changed our program and fixed our program in Southern Virginia. 
But if, if you guys have never, people on the East Coast that have never been here, this place is absolutely gorgeous. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here in my office, and if my phone was a little better, I can show you a, I can show you a, ye a yellow desert mountain. I can show you a red dirt mountain. And then I can show you a snow-capped mountain that'll stay snow-capped almost all year, that'll be snow-capped 11-plus months during the year. Um, it's just a gorgeous place. But, but I, I, I fell in love with the scenery when I was out here recruiting. Um, I knew Coach Lamb had an opening once or twice while I was out here, and I, I just stopped by, you know, stopped by the office, put my best foot forward, and we became friends. Hey, he never thought I was good enough coach to hire me. So, <laughs> but, but we're all, hey, but we're buddies. And, and hey, a lot of people don't know the name Ed Lamb, but he, hey, he's one of, if not the best, special teams coordinators in the country, and he is a great football coach. BYU would not be where it is without him. So you've, uh, since your move out there, you've brought in um, a few recruits. Um, you know, Zach Strand is, is transferring from Frostburg and, and taking the, the step to Southern Utah. And um, I noticed a couple of kids that you were recruiting while you were at Frostburg. Um, you've also given them offers for Southern Utah as well. Um, what do you feel that says about the, the level of uh, the level of kids, that, student athletes that you recruit, that you see them as, you know, being both good enough to play at Frostburg and good enough to play at the FCS level as well? Yeah, I'm not I'm not allowed by NCAA rules. I'm not allowed to speak on any player specifically mm -hmm. that they're recruiting right now until they've signed and enrolled in some of that. So I won't. But but I, I would tell you this. Um, there, there's a there, there's two or three NFL players on Frostburg's team right now that, that are young guys and need to develop, um, but but that are that caliber players. We had gotten it to that caliber, um, and some of those kids can help us right now, so that they, they can come help us right now. Now down the road, three or four years from now, you'd like to think that we're in a situation where a Division two player can't come in and help us immediately. Um, but we thought some of the kids out on the East Coast. That, that are really, really good football players could help us here. So, so we, you know, we put, a, hey, put our best foot forward, and here they are. And some of, uh, some of the coaches that you brought on as well, I, I noticed uh, I think Will Brunson is joining you, who he played under you at Frostburg State and coached there as well. Um, and uh, John Kelling, who was the defensive coordinator at Frostburg State for a few years under you as well, he's joining you. How um, – how helpful do you think that's going to be having some familiar faces in the building helping you with this this transition? Yeah, Will Brunson and Sean Maginson, young coaches, decided to join me here. Um, hey, they're they're upwardly mobile, so so I didn't have a problem bringing them out here because you know they're not tied down, they're not married, they don't have kids. Um, it's always a good situation for those those young coaches. Um, Sean Maginson and Will Brunson are rising stars in this profession. Um, one of these days, I'm going to work for one of them. If I if I'm not working for both of them at some point in time, um, but both of them have a chance to do good things in, in the coaching profession. Um, John Kelling was my defensive coordinator, was our defensive coordinator at Frostburg for six seasons, and then he went to be the head coach at Lock Haven for two. Um, but excited to get him here. John's as good a defensive coordinator as I've seen in my career. Um, he'll do a great job here. And, and for for you guys here, here's. I, there is a lot to be fixed here. There's a lot to get done here. Um, having John as a defensive coordinator, I can turn the defense over to him and I don't have to worry about what's going to happen because I know what we're going to get. Um, Nick Rosser also came. Um, Nick Rosser was our special teams coordinator the last two years. 
and, and Frostburg. And then Nick is a good special teams coordinator, and he is a great corners coach, as good a DB's coach as I've ever been around. Um, but he's here with us and recruiting, and, and he's our special teams coordinator and coaching our DBs. And then we hired, um, hired Darius Smith as our running backs coach. Darius Smith is a Frostburg grad, 1993 team captain. He was a team captain on the first team that made the playoffs at Frostburg. Um, so brought him brought him with us. Um, I held over four coaches because I, I, I thought they were part of the solution and not part of the problem. So excited to have them here. And, and then hired, hired the quarterbacks coach at BYU as the offensive coordinator. And we're excited about that. And then there's some other, there, there's some GAs and stuff that, that are coming this way. Um, J- Jordan Hartman, who played for us, what was a great special teams player for us last year, Petersburg, West Virginia kid. Um, J- Jordan has agreed to come be the strength conditioning GA. Um, so, so we're excited about that. And, and I'm sure, Hey, I'm sure as time goes on, there's going to be some more Frostburg people in and out of here. So, so coach, last thing I have for you, um, you know, you, you were, uh, Southern Virginia for five years, you were at Frostburg state for eight, um, where do you kind of hope to see Southern Utah, you know, as this uh, goes on? How, how do you kind of hope and where, where do you kind of hope to see the program here, you know, in five years? Yeah, but, but including my time as an assistant, I was at Southern Virginia eight years total. So I was at Southern Virginia almost eight years. I was at Frostburg, what, one month short of eight years. Um, so, hey, I'd had two jobs in 16 years until I messed the average up and took this one. Now I've had three <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't look quite so good on paper. Uh, I have, um, and, and I'll use some bad words here in a minute. I, I'm, I'm not going to be a coaching gypsy. So, so I'm, I'm not going to bounce from place to place. That has never been in the cards for me. I don't want that for myself. And, and I for dang sure don't want it for my family and especially my daughters. Um, I don't want them bouncing around all the time. Um, a, a little bit of it is probably going to be a necessity, but not all the time. Um, you ask, where do I see this program? Uh, it, it, yeah, I'll give you the old Terry Bowden. I can give you the Terry Bowden thing, and then I don't have to, I don't have to think much. Terry Bowden says when you, when you do things like this, he goes, if you're any good, you're going to lose close early. You're going to win close in the middle, and then you're going to win big late. So, hey, we'll, we'll start out losing close, and then you, you'll know when we're turning it because we'll win close, and then we'll win big. Um, I, I don't – hey, I, lo- I love Bobby Bowden, Terry Bowden, lo- lo- love them. I think they're great coaches. Um, but, but I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Here's what we're going to do here. Um, all right, we start school on Monday. We've got a team meeting on Sunday evening. We're going to go to work first thing Monday morning, and we're going to get after it every day. Got Guys, there's 100 players in this program right now, almost right on the dot. If all 100 of them show up every day and get 1% better, how much better are we as a program when we go to sleep each night? We're 100% better than when we woke up in the morning. But we're, hey, we're going to get after it in the weight room and we're going to get after it on the field um, and, and just a hey, 1% better each day. If we do that, guys, and if all the players will buy in, if we'll get 1% better each day, if they'll buy in, if they're galvanized together, if they'll come together as a football family and be galvanized and then we finish everything we start, we're going to be just fine from start to finish. Hey, we'll win more games than people expect us to win this fall. And then going forward, we'll be really, really good. You asked my expectation. Uh, my expectation is in four or five seasons that, that we're doing the same thing at Southern Utah University that we did at Frostburg the last couple of years, which is a compete for conference title every single year, double-digit victories, hey, and either be in the playoffs or deserve to be in the playoffs.
Alex, do you have anything else? Uh, just that um, you, know, you guys are you're in the WAC, correct? We are. We're in the WAC. The, uh, de the defending national champions until the championship game is played tomorrow. The defending mm -hmm. national Sam Houston State is in our conference, and they are uh, they're moving up pretty soon, right, to Conference USA. Hey, I wish it was sooner rather than later. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you kind of see them as like? you know, maybe the, the end goal for the, for your program. You, hey, you guys asked me what I was going to miss. Y'all implied about what I was going to miss. I'm going to miss playing Alderson Broadus and West Virginia Wesleyan. That's what I'm going to miss. So, hey, us three and eight of our drinking buddies can beat those two schools on any given Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, hey, I'm going to miss that. Um, you asked about the end goal. Um, do I think you can win a national title here? Yeah, Alex, I do. I, I think you can win a national title here. I, I think you can put together five or six, seven straight winning seasons here. I think you can make the playoffs four or five times out of those seven seasons. And the, the, the goal, the goal is, is to win each week. That's the beauty of football. So, so they, you know, they asked Mike Leach at his press conference 10 years ago, what his goal was. And he said, just win a game a week. And he sat back in the chair and smiled. That's all we're going to try to do here. Hey, let's win one game each week and everybody will be happy. Um, but you're trying, you're trying to get into the tournament. You're trying to get into the playoffs. And then when you get into the tournament, just win one game each week. Alex, anything else? That's it for me. All right, coach. Uh, we'd like to thank for coming on. We'll, uh, you know, hopefully we can do this again sometime and, you know, we wish you nothing but the best and hey, it's not going to be a surprise to, to any of us that, you know, if you go out there and turn this one and 10 team into a 10 and one team, 11 and 0 team and, you know, heading to the playoffs. So. Yeah. Hey, hey, guys, hey, lo love you guys. Love what y'all do for the community. Hey, Allegheny County, Cumberland, Frostburg, everybody, everybody down on the creek. Um, hey, special people, special special place, special people. I, I assume that it's always going to feel like home to me. But anyway, hey, special place. If I can ever help y'all, if y'all want me on again, please just let me know and I'll be here. All right. Thanks so much, Coach. Thanks for Thank your you, time. Thank you, Coach. And, uh, See you. you know, hey, pound birds. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Coach. And again, we'd like to thank Delane Fitzgerald for coming on the show. He's very, uh, very generous with his time. And, um, you know, he's since said, you know, anytime we want him on the show that, you know, he's, he's more than happy to come on. So, you know, he was a great guest. I really enjoyed the stories that he told. And, you know, he, he seemed like a guy that we, we could have talked to him for two hours, you know. He didn't have to disrespect Towson like that. <laughs> but... J yeah, I could... JMU guys. So. I, I could feel that that one hit a little, hit a little hard at home. <laughs> Um, so, uh, on that end of things, um, Frostburg State is expected to announce their uh, new head coach um, to, uh, in, in the middle of this week. They're expected to make the announcement. Now, whether or not that happens, who knows. Um, I have heard two names. I don't think that I have the authority to really say it because I don't really know that it was on the record. Um, but... Uh, one's an in-house option, one's an out-of-house option, and, you know, both, both options are really good. Um, so, you know, hopefully if, if that is who it comes down to, and that's what I've been told is that is who it comes down to, um, you know, Frostburg State should be, uh, Delane put it, the, getting the keys to the Cadillac, and they should certainly be able to, to have it open on the highway full bore and, and, you know, running full steam ahead. So. Well, they got, they got the, the program going in the right direction already so yeah you know either option either you keep continuity you know somebody who knows the program or 
you bring in, you know, someone who's had a, a lot of success somewhere else mm-hmm. that knows how to win. So yeah. either way, it's like, you know, it's not like there's necessarily an A or a B. It's, right. It's maybe A1, A2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, just curious to see, you know, how much, how many people stay, how many people stick around, you know. Coach Fitzgerald kind of talked about, you know, some of the guys from Frostburg State that he's taken with him. But, you know, like, does Angelo Lavara stick around? And, you know, I would imagine he would. He's been around for so long and, um, you know, has been, I guess this would be, I want to say, his third head coach at Frostburg State that he would have, uh, that he would coach under if he does decide to stick around. And um, Matt Puffenberger, another guy with local ties that is on the staff there. Um, You know, so just curious to see, you know, if it's an in-house option, you know, how they go with it and if it's a if it's the out of house option you know how much he comes in and decides to stick with what they have so um, another thing of housekeeping the all area baseball team was in today's newspaper uh, Jake Rush was named player of the year and we had what 10 players on the first team all area yeah there were 10 on the first team and 7 on the second team um <clears throat> the breakdown was, I believe, two Northern players, two Moorfield players, two Alco players were voted to the team, and that was a, a vote done by the coaches in the area. Ten coaches uh, returned ballots to us. And uh, I think the first team is really as perfect as it could be. Yeah. Like, the first team is ten, like, ten just great players. Yeah. Guess, not just not just players that played for the best teams, but... Like, probably 10 best overall players. Yeah, you got seven players who are playing in college next year that are all, all seven seniors that graduated or that are on the first team are playing in college next year, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I think speaks for itself. And isn't one of the juniors uh, committed to play already? Yeah, Isaac is. Isaac Uphol is committed to WVU. So, I mean, that's really the, the cream of the crop uh, yeah, there. Yeah. And then you got, um, I mean, I... Bryce, I was thinking of someone else. Bryce Snyder is a senior this year who, I mean, he could go in any number of sports, um, whether it be a quarterback or, I mean, he's a great catcher. And then Darian Bauer at Allegheny is another kid who isn't necessarily committed somewhere right now, but, I, I mean, his talent, he could definitely play in college somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I think the team is really good. Um, you know, there's some choices maybe on the second team that I don't necessarily agree with, but. At the end of the day, it, it, it's a democracy. Yeah, <laughs> so. and that's I. We want to make clear that this like this was strictly done by the coaches. We do not have a vote. We, uh, our former sports editor Mike Burke, we don't want to vote. You know, it's like one of those things where it's like we don't want to be involved with it. So if you know, if you have complaints, I get it, but we didn't vote on any of this. We we organized the ballot and sent the ballot out and received the ballots back, and that's it. And that's that's our only involvement, and we published it in our newspaper, and that's it. Yeah, and I, tr- I tried also I, at different sports. I take different approaches, but uh, baseball and softball, I didn't let coaches vote for their own players, just because I wanted them to have to like think a little bit, <laughs> you know, like truly think who are the ten best players that aren't on my team. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that helped things too. Instead of you know, I mean, if if you let coaches vote for their own players, there's this question of like. You know they're stupid for not doing it, for, right. for not advocating for their own kids. So then right. it be- becomes a thing where all ten coaches are voting for all four to eight players they nominated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it just it it I feel like overall when the teams are bigger, I think that's the way to do it because like when so for basketball for example, um, you know 
teams only nominate two, maybe three players for all area. Mm -hmm. And coaches are probably looking at, at that as, you know, hopefully maybe one of these kids is first team and maybe someone else garners some second team votes. But, mm -hmm. like, plenty of basketball coaches in the past have nominated, you know, three players and only voted for one of their players mm -hmm. because the team's smaller and there are clearly other players on other teams that are, you know, really good and really deserving. And, and it kind of sucks because uh, if you have, like, 70% of the coaches doing it honestly and you have, like, 30% who are just picking eight players from their team, it's like, you know, they're <laughs> you're, like, punishing the coaches who are following, like, who, yeah. are, who are operating with integrity. So, yeah. You know, and again, I can't fault someone for picking, you know, if they nominate eight players and I let you vote for your own player, it's like, again, they're stupid not to do it because, right. you know, they're supposed to advocate for their kids. Well, and it's also one of those things where it's like, well, if you're not going to vote for the kid, then why do you nominate them in the first place? Yeah. You know? Like, clearly you think they're, uh, there's an argument for them to make the team, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Just from years past, I, f I feel like the bigger teams, I think that's the way to go with, you know, not letting coaches vote for their own kids, and I think this year it, it turned out pretty perfect, and overwhelmingly, too. Like, I, I don't feel like there were many, uh, like, really close calls or anything. Yeah, there's no, like, I don't know. There, there, I didn't even have a motivation to try to fidget with the team. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, there's the 10 players who were the top 10 players, like, just for a fact, are the top 10 players, Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. I think the only question mark would be Matt Fuzzi being a second-team kid and not maybe first team. He was second team two years ago. He batted over 400 as a catcher, but Alco had two players on the first team, and then that becomes like, oh, if Alco gets three players on the first team, and... How know, does Northern only get two Northern, when Northern got further than they yeah, did? and then Moorfield won a state title. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know. So I think the way it worked out is for the best for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. So hopefully uh, hopefully there are no complaints in that department. So And before we wrap up, I want to give a shout-out to... Southern's JV coach, Cody Burrell, <laughs> who I hear is a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> Cody, I'll see you on Tuesday, buddy. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that wraps up the show. Um, we'll be back again next week, but, uh, you know, please, any feedback or, you know, anything, you know, you, you have about the show or, um, you know, our interview with Coach Fitzgerald or anything like that, you know, it's greatly appreciated. Uh, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Kyle Bennett CTN. Alex, where can the listeners find you? At A Ritual. And that'll do it for episode eight. We will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>